to worry about every, anything because God has everything under control. If the ushers would please come and take up our Sunday offering. Thank you, Jesus, for today, God. I thank you for the freedom to be able to come to church and worship you, God, together. I thank you, Lord, for your healing power and for everything that you have everything under control, God. I pray that you will touch the service in Jesus' name. Amen.
the Lord, everybody. God bless you. I hear those chains falling. How about you? 
I hear those chains falling. Come on, say that with me. I hear those chains falling. Sing it down one more time. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. Here's why. To break every chain, break every chain, break every right now together. Father, we thank you again for your spirit. We thank you for your truth. Thank you for the privilege to gather together on this Sunday morning to be able to worship you, Lord. I thank you because you're the God that keeps us. You're the God that protects us. You're the God that carries us through the most difficult times. You're the God that we look to and trust in. I pray now, God, for the many people that are affected right now by this virus that is raging through our land. I pray, God, that you would bring healing to them. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would just cause there to be a complete and total healing in our nation. You are the one that can do that, and so we trust you. I pray also, God, that you would just cause your church to be the people of hope that you have called us to be. That we would walk in hope, that we would walk in faith, that we would walk in the knowledge that our God will see us through. I pray now, God, for every man and woman who is here today and those that are watching online, that as we share the word of the Lord today, that it would be food for their soul. I pray, God, that it would bring hope and help. I pray, God, that you would just have your way. Thank you for hearing us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated if you'd like. So good to see each of you in the house of the Lord this morning. We have several that are not feeling well that are out. And um, it seems as though that there is an uptick. Well, it doesn't seem like it. There is an uptick right now in the virus. Uh, uh, Robin was telling me that she tested, she's tested over 100 people uh, at the clinic for uh, this virus, and um, so we are just uh, continuing to go forward and believing that the Lord is going to continue to help us. Somebody said, are you discouraged? No, not at all, not at all. Are you concerned? No, not at all, because God is still on the throne, and uh, He still has everything under control. Amen, 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 and that is a good thing, that is a good thing. Some good news today. And that is we have a brand new family in our congregation. And uh, so we want to welcome them. And that is Josh and Shay right over here on my right. They have gotten married. So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. So welcome, welcome, welcome to our brand new family. Amen. Welcome. Uh, did you all have a good week? Did you? All right, good. Still smiling, still smiling, still hanging in there. Sister Cobb, you had a good week? All right, all right, all right. Someone gave a warning about Amazon. 
everybody. <laughs> well, maybe not everybody. Amazon, they gave a warning about Amazon saying, be careful when ordering. They said that one, uh, this gentleman said, my, I, I ordered my wife a new pair of shoes. And wouldn't you know it, they sent me a fishing rod and reel, brand new. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. And if we ever needed medicine, we need medicine today, don't we? We need some medicine today. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about um, three things that will help you through the most difficult times of your life. Uh, 2020 uh, started out to be the year of vision for many people. Matter of fact, many churches said, this is the year of 2020 vision. And little did we know that uh, 2020 vision is exactly what we would receive. Our vision would be changed and um, our outlook and, and the way that we see things, our eyes would be open in a totally different way. And I believe that each of us can see better today than we ever have as we have gone through uh, the times that we have faced in our world. And I believe that God uh, is using this time to help us to recalibrate our lives and to show us some weaknesses that are there in our life so that we can work on them, not to destroy us, not to uh, discourage us, but to encourage us so that we can work on those things so that we can become all that he wants us to be. Sister Sherry, so good to see you today. I saw one of your nephews yesterday uh, at the graveside uh, of, uh, oh, I don't even know where I was at, sometime this last week. Uh, no, I was at I was in Mendota yesterday uh, preaching a funeral service for Sister Coons. I think this was on Friday. This young man came up to me. He came to church as a young man, and he said, Pastor Maynard, and he reached out and grabbed me and gave me a big hug, and I, I'm like, who is this gentleman? <laughs> and, of course, he's now he's grown, and he told me his name, and so it was good to see him. But this morning, I want to share with you uh, three things that will help you through the most difficult times of your life. It will help us to maybe recalibrate some things in our lives. Uh, you know what the word recalibrate means? It means to reset. Uh, when your tires get out of balance, you have to rebalance them. Uh, otherwise, you go through uh, life uh, in your car and you're like, duh, 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 you know, or you reach a certain speed and all of a sudden the steering wheel just shakes like crazy. And what that is saying is your tires need to be balanced and things need to be recalibrated. So I direct your attention this morning to the book of Jude, uh, and uh, we want to look at verses 20 down through verse number 25. If you want to stand and rest yourself, that's fine. Uh, if you want to stand and rest yourself for a moment, that'd be great. And uh, uh, just kind of, is everybody ready for the teaching of the Word of God yet? Are you ready? All right. All right. Have you, have you gotten loose in worship? Sometimes we need, you know, before I exercise, I have to warm up. And I'm convinced that in church, there's, there's a time that we have to warm up. Amen. <laughs> you say, oh, that's crazy. Well, you can say what you want, but I've lived long enough to know that that's true. So Jude, verse 20 through 25. And the Bible says, you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, build yourself up on your holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life. 
and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. And everybody say amen. And right there it is. There are three principles in this passage that will help us to be able to make it through the worst of times. You may be seated. God bless you. And my subject this morning is simply a message to the beloved. A message to the beloved. Did you know that the Bible calls you God's beloved? You are beloved of God. You say, what does that word mean? That means that he cares for you. That means that he loves you with all that he is and all that he has. That means that he is willing to do whatever it takes in order for you to survive and succeed in this life and for you to be able to live eternally in this next life in that place called heaven. You are the beloved of God. You know, if you have children, you know how much uh, you love your children. And there's nothing like a little baby or a little uh, child. The only thing better than a child is a grandchild. And um, uh, grandchildren, uh, they, they, they're not so great as a baby. This is my opinion. I, I don't really get a whole lot out of grandchildren when they're babies. But when they get to be his age, yes, sir, it's absolutely the best in the world. And uh, we know what that's like. We, we love them. They are our beloved they are ours, and we hold them close to our hearts, don't we? And if you can understand that, then you would understand how God feels about you. God feels about you the same way that you would feel about that little child, the same way that you would feel about maybe others that are very close to your heart and that you care for with all that you have and all that you are. It's interesting, the book of uh, James is a book that was written in a midst of a tumultuous and uh, and, and uh, time of turmoil in the church. Uh, the book of Jude was written by the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jude never mentions his relationship uh, being the half-brother or the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He only says, I'm the brother of James, and I am the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, remember, when Jesus walked upon the earth, the people that uh, knew him and the place that he came from they struggled with believing that he was who he said he was, and they struggled with believing that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah that had come to redeem men and women from their sins. And uh, the ones that struggled the most were the ones that knew him the best. And if we're not careful, uh, we overlook the God portion that is in men and women because we know them, we think we know them too closely. Uh, I have been amazed uh, to see children grow up in the church here, and uh, when they were growing up, they were a little bit rambunctious, uh, they, uh, they were a little bit challenging, but as they grew up and they came to a place where they were a man or a, wo or a woman, I suddenly saw the hand of God upon them, and I stepped back many of those times, and I laugh, and I say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> the, this is not the same kid that was growing up here. And now they're mightily used of God. And so if we're not careful, we miss what God is doing in the lives of others because they become too familiar to us. And I want to tell you this morning that God is doing something 
in your life today. Even if you can't see what God is doing, there are others that can see that and they recognize that and together we celebrate that that God is doing in your life. Well, the Bible says that uh, Jesus went to Nazareth and he was so common to the people that he could not do many mighty miracles there. And the reason why is because of their unbelief. And so it was only after his crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that, that I believe Jude, this half-brother of the Lord, he realized, hey, this truly is the Messiah. This truly is the Son of God. And later he was able to write this book. It's believed that this letter came approximately 30 to 35 years after the day of Pentecost when the church was born on that day. And if you remember, the church went through great persecution, internal problems, and it was Satan's attempt to try to, to stop what God was doing in that church and in that world. Satan has always tried to infiltrate the church, and if he can infiltrate the church uh, and he can begin to get people to believe things that are not correct, if he can get you against, if he can get this side against this side, and he can get uh, people fighting, infighting among themselves, then he doesn't have to do anything. He just stands back and watches the church self-destruct from within. And so Jude, he sets his pen to writing about this. And he talks about the many false teachers that tried to infiltrate the church at that time. And this book is very straightforward. He uses some very strong language as he speaks about those that he is warning uh, us and, and those people about. Listen to what he says. He calls them ungodly men, comparing them to angels that left their first estate. He says they are like the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said they're rebellious like Cain that would not heed the word of God. They're greedy like Balaam who ran after uh, error because of the reward that was attached to that error. And he did things for money more than, uh, than, uh, than following the truths of God. And then it goes on to say that uh, these people are like clouds without water. They're dried up. And he said, they're dried up trees. They're raging waves of the sea, verse 13 says, foaming out their own shame. And finally, he said, they're just wandering stars to whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. All of this is a rebuke and a warning to the false teachers that were there and at any time that would try to infiltrate the church with one purpose, to disrupt, to divide, and to destroy. But in the midst of these problems, and these problems were very, very real at that time, in the midst of these problems, Jude then reminds the church that the Lord was coming, and when he does, there will be a judgment. And we sometimes don't like to think about judgment, but judgment is going to happen. You look at the book of Revelation, chapter 21, chapter 20 rather, and 21, and you'll find that there will be a judgment in the future. And that judgment means that every man and woman will stand before God, and they will be judged because, or by the things that they had done or by the things that they had not done. And the only way to escape that judgment is by coming to the cross, being born again, and by allowing the Lord to work in your life. That's, that's how we're saved from that judgment. But there will be a judgment in the future according to the Word of God. Notice um, Jude verses 14 and 16. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, he prophesied of these men and women, saying, 
Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. In other words, Jude says that the Lord is coming back, and those that have died are coming back with him. And he says when he comes back, he's going to execute judgment upon all. And he's going to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And then he names who they are. He said they're murmurers, they're complainers, they walk after their own lust, their mouth speaks great swelling words, or in other words, they're braggarts, they're full of themselves, and they have men's person in admiration because of advantage, or in other words, they were seeking for position among men in order to get an advantage in this life that they were living, or they were taking advantage of people by the position that they were seeking and once they were placed in there. And so he reminds us, there will be a judgment. And that's why we need to look at ourselves every day, and we need to pray that God would help us to do the right things and that God would keep us in his purpose and his plan. This is a good reason to stay prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost. This is a good reason to practice the things that I'm about to teach you about in your life every single day. And so he said three things will help you in this difficulty, and I bring them to you today. First of all, he said, but you, beloved, after he goes through all of these things, he says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up yourself. So the first thing that we have to do in this time of difficulty, a, a, uh, a directive that he gives us is we have to build ourselves up. When I think of the word build or building, I'm thinking of the construction process that moves the building from foundation to finish. Uh, many of you were involved in the building of this uh, structure here, and you knew, you, you remember there was a hole in the ground, and there was some foundational things, and there was concrete, then there was a floor, then there were walls, and, and it went on from there until finally the last fixture was placed and the last piece of carpet was laid. And so that's the building process. There were several steps along the way, and some are dependent upon the other. If we're not careful, we begin to think that, that what we are going through and what we are experiencing has nothing to do with the final outcome, but it does because the process of God in our lives means that there is a building that is going on. It's, it's one brick upon the other, and one experience begins to build upon uh, another experience that you had in times past until finally it goes from foundation unto finish. And we can also think of building in regards to exercise or sports. A weightlifter, I, I saw somebody sent me a picture about uh, a week or two or three weeks ago, and it was, a, it was of a man that was in a, uh, he had weights in front of him, and he was down like this holding onto the weights, and he was getting ready to deadlift these weights. And underneath that, it says, do you recognize this guy? And I looked at it, and I said, no, no, I don't know who this guy is. But then as I read it, I, it said, uh, it was private first class David Ancona who had won a dead weight uh, or a dead weight or a, what is it? What was it? A deadlift. Yeah, deadlift competition. And I venture to say that you didn't immediately win that deadlift competition the first time that you started lifting weights. But it was a process. And one process built upon the next. 
until you finally arrived at that place where you could win that record that, uh, you, that you held in that time. Uh, a runner does not run a marathon 26.5 miles immediately, but it's a process. Someone posted last week, and they said they were talking about getting into shape. And uh, so they went for a run, and they came back in two minutes. And they said uh, they came back in two minutes because they forgot something. And then uh, when somebody asked them what they forgot, they said, I forgot I was way too fat and way out of shape, so I could only run two minutes. <laughs> and so it may start with two minutes, but it's a building process. Look at the one next to you and say, you got to build yourselves. You can't stop just at the beginning. you got to finish this thing. you got to, help me somebody, build yourselves. And so how do we build ourselves up? We've got to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. It takes faith to live for God. It takes faith to, take, to put one foot in front of the other. It takes faith to... Uh, open the Word of God and say, I'm going to believe this Word of God. It takes faith to practice the things that you have read in that Word of God. But the only way that you build yourself up is uh, you've got to have that faith and you've got to walk in that faith. You've got to exercise that faith. But then he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, but he says, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind, and we as Pentecostals, we think about praying in tongues. And praying in tongues is absolutely according to the Word of God. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and you'll find that speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit, but it's also after a person receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that initial receiving of the Holy Ghost and the initial uh, speaking with other tongues, after that, there is a gift called speaking with tongues. And there are people, there are times when we will pray in the Spirit, as Paul called it, or praying in tongues. It's when you cease to pray in a language that you understand, and you begin to pray under the inspiration of the Spirit of God as it flows through you in a words and language that you do not understand. The Bible says that when you do that, though you're understanding, you don't understand what goes on. Your spirit man is built up and your spirit is praying and you are edified. Anybody ever pray in tongues before? Raise your hand and say amen. Did you understand what you were saying? No. Now sometimes the Lord may give you an insight as to what is going on and what you're praying about. But most times that that has happened for me, I don't know what I'm saying. But I know that whenever I'm praying that way, it is something that is very enlightening. It is something that is very encouraging. And the Bible says, Paul said, that when we do that, we are edified. Or in other words, we are built up. And he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you yield yourself and we learn how to go beyond that, uh, that natural understanding, and all of a sudden it's the breath of God that, blow, that blows into where we're at, and He begins to speak through us, there is a supernatural utterance that comes from our mouth that prays, and it's, and it's, not, it's, just, it's not necessarily just us, it is God in us and God through us that is causing uh, that to happen, amen. 
And if you're still with me, say amen. Now, it's interesting that uh, uh, the Greek word for ghost is pneuma, and it means spirit or wind or breath. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Bible said there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty, what? Wind. When Jesus was with his disciples who became the apostles, he looked at them and he said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then after that, he, he breathed upon them and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. I believe that what Jesus Christ was doing is he was prophesying and he was showing that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, there was the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it was the breath of God that came where they were at, and it filled them. Amen. And so when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we move from a me dimension in prayer to a God in me dimension of prayer. Praying in the Holy Ghost, it can mean speaking with other tongues and praying in other tongues. But I believe that probably a, a, a fuller and a more correct uh, um, explanation of that would be this. It is when we cooperate with God and God, we are praying what God wants us to pray, whether it's in tongues or whether it's in an under, uh, a language that we understand. It is in harmony with God. It's when God breathes through us in our prayers. If we're not careful, we fall into what the Bible calls a vain repetition in our prayers. It's when we have memorized our prayers. You know, we sit down at the table and we say, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. That's probably not a great prayer. And, and sometimes I'll do that when my grandkids are there and they'll say, okay, Poppy, you pray. And I say, okay, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. They'll go, oh, Poppy, that's not a prayer. I said, no, I know it's not, but it was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. And if we're not careful, we memorize our prayers. And there's nothing wrong with even praying prayers that you pray over and over and over again. However, the key is that it's got to come from your heart. And it's got to be something that is more just on your head, something that is not just, all right, let's get this over with. And if we're not careful, sometimes we come to church services and we're like punching the clock. We come in and we punch the clock and we say, all right, I'm here. And we stand up and we go, all right. All right. Amen. I did my part. And if we're not careful, it is a vain repetition and we have gone through a religious exercise, and we, we pride ourselves as Pentecostals saying we're not religious, but there is something called the religious Pentecostal church. And it's where we come and we refuse, or, or maybe not refuse, but we do not rely on the Holy Spirit to move in that place. We come not expecting God really to do anything. And we come in there to sit down and to relax. Let me be entertained for a little bit. Let the preacher tell a, a good story, and I'll laugh, and I'll smile, and we'll leave. But that's really not what is going to build us up. We are going to be built up 
when we move beyond where we are and what we can do, and we begin to come into harmony with what God can do and what God is, and when that happens, all of a sudden, lives begin to change, miracles begin to happen, and the Holy Ghost begins to move. And so he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost means that we are praying by the breath of God. It is when His Spirit, we yield ourselves to Him, and it takes over, and suddenly there is that shift in the atmosphere. Ha- have you ever been there? I, I, I was called to city council uh, the, uh, two times uh, when, uh, after the pandemic, and, and they went back to city council uh, meetings. And, and so the mayor said, I want you to pray. I want you to be the one that will be there first to pray. Well, I was honored. I said, that, that's great. I, I'd be happy to come there. But before I went there to pray, I prayed about my prayer. You say, you prayed about your prayer? Yes. Because I didn't want to go there, and I didn't want to stand and say, Oh, beloved Father, heavenly God, that sits high, that looks low, that sees everything. Oh, God, we praise Thee, for Thou art mighty. I didn't want to do all that. It would have sounded good, and it would have made me look like a professional preacher. But I am not a professional preacher. I'm not a professional. I am a child of God. This is not a profession. This is a calling that God has placed upon me. Now, now, you know, I, I, and, and preachers, if they preach any time at all, they know how to push the right buttons, and they know how to say things just the right way. They know how to put together a pretty flowery sermon and, uh, uh, and, and so that people are, whoa, wow, that was awesome. But when they leave, you say, what was the message about? What did you get out of that? I don't know, but it sure was good. Now, when we come to the house of God for worship, we need to get something out of that service. Something needs to move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. It might not happen immediately today, but if I'm stepping that direction, that's all that matters. That's what he's talking about, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so I prayed about my prayer. And as I prayed about my prayer, I believe that God gave me the words to be able to say at that city council prayer. And you say, You thought that you did? I thought that I did, but it wasn't until I actually went there and I stood at that mic and I opened my mouth and I said the words that God gave me to say that the breath of God blew in there and there was a holy hush so that when it was done, I stepped back and you could visibly see something happened in that city council chamber. There was a shift Not because of me, but because the Holy Ghost through me came and wanted to minister in that place. I'm convinced that that same Spirit of God that we feel right now, and I'm sensing the Spirit of God blowing in here right now, that same Spirit, He wants to move through us on our job, in our homes, in the hospital, in the marketplace, wherever we're at, 
God's spirit is not relegated to the church house. As a matter of fact, it should not be only in the church house. It is not only in the church house. I go with him and he goes with me every place I go so that there 